This is Lou Blazer, and you're listening to Second Breaks, a show about turning our middle years into our best years. Hello, hello, my friend. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Second Breaks. And I am so excited to be bringing you this first episode of Season 8. And I picked a special topic for us to dive into for this first full episode of 2022. Because, you know, this is the time of the year when we're writing our plans and goals for the new year. And it's very likely that you have already written yours and you're probably already working on them. Now, my personal planning process has changed a lot over the last few years. My goals no longer drive my year in the same way that they have done in the past. Like, for example, when I was climbing the corporate ladder, (laughs) I have something called intentions and commitments instead. And I wrote about my process a few weeks ago, and I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes if you're curious for like a different process other than goal setting. But the reason I mention all this to you is because even though I am no longer swearing by these so-called smart goals, my intentions and commitments, they still have elements of desired changes in myself and in my life. And I would surmise is that most of us actually many of our for for most of us many of our goals or intentions have this element of fixing something about ourselves and for many of us midlifers if you're at all like me we have spent most of our lives in this mode like always looking for something to change or to fix in ourselves So when I heard about my guest today and the work that he does, I immediately, immediately wanted to chat with him for the show. Don Joseph Goey is the director of the Center for Spiritual Exchange, the official archive for the works of Anthony DeMello. Now, Anthony DeMello was a Jesuit priest and a psychotherapist and a speaker and a writer. Uh, But most importantly, DeMello was regarded as one of the uh, greatest spiritual minds of the 20th century. Now, Don has recently edited the book, Stop Fixing Yourself, Wake Up. All is Well, which is based on Anthony DeMello's Practical Spirituality. As you can tell from the book title, DeMello's message is to stop fixing ourselves, that we are okay just as we already are. No need to interfere or fix anything. It's enough for us to simply watch and observe. All these things that we struggle to fix in ourselves, we just need to understand them. They just need to be understood, basically. And once we do understand them, that they are going to simply drop away. As you'll hear in the interview, (laughs) it was of two minds when I sat down with Dawn. There's a part of me that was like, yes, yes, yes. And I was desperately attracted to this message and I desperately wanted to embrace it in totality. But there's also the part of myself that's like, um shouldn't we want to improve ourselves like shouldn't we always be bettering ourselves uh so anyway like i said you're gonna hear you're gonna hear me struggle with that throughout the interview and i i uh, for me this was such an enlightening conversation and i took away loads of notes 
and takeaways and things to think about and uh, really consider and internalize. And I think you're going to have the same experience. You're going to be able to see loads of takeaways yourself. Now, as you listen to this episode, you're going to hear ideas that may be very different from what you've always believed to be true. Now, as Don said to me, all he's asking and really all DeMello was asking is for us to be open, to be willing to challenge long-held programming and to try a different approach, see if that would make things easier for us. And I think we could do that. We certainly could do that. And I'm certainly up for doing anything that could make my midlife and the rest of my life really easier and joyful. I would love to hear from you and your thoughts about this episode. Drop me a DM on Instagram at Lou Blazer or give me a shout on Twitter. Same thing, at Lou Blazer. Okie dokie, let me step out of the way. Here's my conversation with Don Joseph Goey. I started to read the book that we're going to talk about today, Stop Fixing Yourself. And uh, to be honest, there's a part of me that's desperately attracted to this idea of stop fixing yourself but then there's another part of my brain that goes what not fix myself because but aren't we all about self-improvement so i thought maybe we could start our conversation with some form of level setting don um would you mind talking a little bit about what you and anthony demello actually mean when you say stop fixing yourself? I think fundamentally what it means is that you're not broken. You know, you're not some problem that needs to be solved. You're okay. And if there's a problem, it's the way that you were programmed to believe that without something, some possession, some person, some outcome or result, you can't be happy. You can't be fulfilled in your life. And it's a false belief. Um, We don't acquire or earn happiness or peace or fulfillment. Uh, We have it already. The sad fact is, is that in this day and age, and probably in other ages as well, it's really hard to find a completely happy person. It's only 4% of the population when you do the data. And the irony is we were born happy. We were born free, but we've become trapped in in our own limited thinking. Uh, We were born with an open heart that stress and fear so easily close. Um, We were born gifted, gifted beings of immeasurable worth, but so many people um, have shame reactions where they end up, they, they don't feel like they're good enough. And so, but the reality is, in that statement, stop fixing yourself, is that there's a divinity of joy uh, within you and surrounding you there to make your life meaningful and beautiful and rich, but we've become blocked from seeing it. Uh, It's almost as if we've been hypnotized uh, by some magician to see what is not there and not see what is there right before our eyes. And how that happened is society programmed that, that joy, that beauty, that basic nature of ours that programmed it right out of us. Uh, it stamped into us a, a belief that that the most important thing was to make our way out there in the world and with, with the promise that if we worked hard and long enough, success would come. 
And out of that success, happiness and fulfillment would follow. And, you know, psychotherapists and life coaches are making a living off of people who, after 10 or 20 or 30 years of swallowing that formula, kind of come to the conclusion that although they've realized success to whatever degree they have, um, it's come without that fulfillment. It's come without happiness. It's come without a sense of inner peace, at, at being at peace with themselves, a feeling that their life is a mess, that they're a mess. Uh, Tony Robbins said success without fulfillment is, is the ultimate failure. It's, fail, it's failing at life. So waking up is a realization that contrary to what society has taught us, absolutely nothing of the world can make us happy. And of course, success is important. Uh, goals and aspirations and dreams were, that we're looking to realize, they're important. But success is, is not the same as fulfillment. Fulfillment doesn't come from the world. It doesn't come from acquiring something that the, you think the world is out there to give you. And happiness doesn't come from that. It, it, not the radiant happiness that you see in a child that's, you know, constant and makes, makes you smile for no reason. That happiness comes from within you. And the truth is, is there's really not a single moment in anyone's life when they don't have everything that they need to be happy. And the only reason um, a human being is ever unhappy is because they're focused on what they don't have rather than what they have right here, right now in this new book, Stop Fixing Yourself, that I assembled from, from the writings of Anthony DeMello. It helps us rediscover that truth about ourselves. Mm. So there is like a lot of what you just said, Don, that I am like nodding <laughs> very hard and saying, yes, yes, yes. So for example, when you said we were born happy, right? So that's our uh, default uh, position. But then, you know, we get brought up, all these ideas. We are, we are taught to be striving for something else, something more, something we don't have, basically. And that's when unhappiness starts seeping in. So I totally get that part. The part where my brain starts going, hang on, hang on one second, Don, is what about, and again, this could be because of programming, years and years of programming, but aren't we supposed to be improving ourselves, like bettering ourselves? So is that what we mean when we say stop fixing ourselves, is no longer be interested in improving ourselves? You know, the, the issue there is that if you and your listeners stop and consider all the effort that you have put into improving yourself, if you were really honest about it, I think that you would discover that it hasn't gotten you very far. You know, you're always looking for the next book. You're always looking for the next guru, always looking for the next workshop to, to attend. And, you know, one of the things that Anthony Namola said is people ask him all the time, people who have been, you know, on a long protracted spiritual path of improving themselves, they still are plagued by the same question, which is, what do I need to do to, to change? And DeMello would say, I have a big surprise for you. You don't have to do anything. The trouble with most people, according to him, is that they're busy trying to fix things inside themselves that they've never really come to understand the way they've been programmed and the way that programming has at times traumatized them and how that combination of their traumatic past and 
and and uh, this programming that has them forever seeking and rarely finding, how that's put them in kind of an endless loop of constantly seeking. Mm. And so what Demello says is, it's enough for you to simply be aware, just drop the whole idea of trying to change yourself, trying to seek the next method, next technique to run on yourself, and simply be watchful and aware. And through awareness, all that you consider to be false, which is basically, you know, these the, our, our way of being erotic, uh, it'll drop. It'll drop of its own weight. And in a few short weeks, the quality of your experience will change. You know, you'll respond, be responding to life differently. You'll be much more alive. Your eyes will reopen to the truth people everywhere are searching for, namely that fountainhead of peace and joy that hides in every human heart. It will arise in and of itself without any effort on your part. And what DeMello is saying is if you take a look at the way you've been put together and the way you function in the world and in your relationships with other people, you'll find that inside your brain, there's this whole program wired there that society stamped into it, you know, from your parents to your schools, to your religion, to when you stepped out into the, you know, the brave new world. This program got wired into a set of demands about uh, how the world should be how you should be, how other people should be with you, and what you should want. And these demands that got programmed to you, they're constantly insisting that these demands be met by life, by other people, by you. And if demands are met, your brain allows you to feel some elation, some self-satisfaction, but it's usually pretty short-lived. You know, you're wondering where the next buck's coming from. Or, for me, I I got programmed into believing well, there's if if something good's happening, the bad's right around the corner. So you know, if if these demands that that have been programmed into us are not met, even though it's no fault of ours, our brain generates negative emotions that cause us to suffer. And in short, you know, we've been trained to upset ourselves constantly. And when things are not under our control, or, you know, the future begins to look uncertain and uncertain in particular ways. You know, our programming insists that we experience anxiety and tension and worry. And then we expend a, a whole lot of energy trying to rearrange the world around us so that those demands of our programming will, will be met. And if that happens, we're granted a measure of precarious peace. But, you know, it's precarious because any moment we're afraid it can be taken taken away from us. And, you know, all of these things, they depend on the criteria society established. They depend on our conditioning. And we've been conditioned right out of our central nature. And it becomes a way of life and it's pathetic existence. And you can jump in the middle of it and try to rearrange it all, all you want. But it's always the same thing. It's this constantly being at the mercy of things and people and outcomes as you try desperately, you know, to make your life conform to the programming's demands so that you can enjoy the only fulfillment you ever know, which is really nothing more than a temporary uh, rest from a negative, negative upset, a negative emotional 
So the question then becomes, how do you get deprogrammed? That's the most important thing. It's not how do you fix yourself, right? Before, and I definitely want to do go there, but just one more thing, though, yeah. uh, Don. So I totally get, like, so, for example, like, all these, you know, when we were growing up, you know, the, these sorts of ideas about what it would mean, what success should, should mean, how you should be in school, you know, and then what you should be, what you should pick for your career so you could be successful in your career. And I'm using air quotes here because these are all should statements that we all learn from parents, from school doctors, from from everybody, right? We all should on ourselves, right? Right, right, exactly. And as we start out there in the world and we start working and what should success look like and how it should manifest itself and all that kinds of stuff. So I totally get that part how about then don let's say you have a you have children and you realize that you you've become a nag of a mother or a nag of a father and you've noticed that about yourself that i've become a nag of a mom (laughs) no so when i say well i don't want to be a nag of a mom i want to be a better mom as in not nag my kids isn't that a way of fixing myself the way of of moving to a um, higher place with your parenting is to begin to understand why you're parenting the way you're parenting. And if it, if it feels rather neurotic or, or it feels like it's, it's creating more harm than it's doing good, the, the likelihood is that you're, you're functioning from an attachment. And you know, the Buddha, the Buddha said that uh, all suffering derives from attachments. And what an attachment is, it's an emotional state of clinging caused by the belief that without something, some person, some result, so a result for a parent is that my my kid becomes successful. I was ta- I was uh, coaching somebody recently. She's actually um, a psychotherapist and she had the same problem with her kids. And she began to realize that her nagging had to do with uh, she was afraid that if her kids uh, did poorly and behaved poorly, that people would judge her. You know, she was worried the way society would come down on her, and she was embarrassed when she, she finally saw it. But what an attachment is, is the belief that the, without this thing or this person or this somebody behaving in a certain way or some outcome that you have in relation to a goal you have, that you can't be happy. And at some point today, I invite all your listeners to, to write at the top of a piece of paper the phrase, I cannot be happy or unless until you can you can put in there, unless until my kid does X, Y, and Z. But make the list and people will be surprised how fast they make a list. I cannot be happy until I'm out of debt. I cannot be happy until my boss appreciates me. I cannot be happy until my wife agrees that she's been wrong and I'm right. I cannot be happy until there's more money in the bank. It goes on and on and on and on. And it, it ends up that we never experience happiness because there's always some unless or until that we're imposing on it. So then when you if you sit back and then look at this list, you consider that these thoughts, these beliefs, they're blocking the natural state of happiness that you're having. It's not like you, if, if you create 
change a condition in your life that you're going to be happy. The condition already exists within you. It's blocked by these attachments. It's blocked by this false belief that you cannot be happy or at peace or fulfilled until or unless something out there happens. And that belief has been programmed into you. Let me see if I if I understand that correctly. And don't please please correct me. So for example, if I were to to return to that example of I've realized that I've become a nag to my kids. And so if I attempt to do that uh exercise where I say I cannot be happy until my kids are in college and like you know and they're successful and they're in college or whatever, because somehow in there I have made uh, an attachment to the idea that I'm a good mom if my kids are in college, if I'm right. able to bring up good kids that go to college and become, you know, uh, good citizens of the world, right? So, right. so you're saying that that I've be- I've become attached to that idea. You become attached to the idea of your children becoming what it is you want them to become. Got it. Right. And you and so you've got all of these pictures about what they should achieve, what what their status should be, you know, straight A, that's a status, right? What colleges that they go to. I mean, look how crazy it got recently when those uh, movie stars were paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to get their kids into Stanford. Uh, they had an attachment, didn't they? Pretty strong attachment. And, you know, we all have our detachments, you know, some to the degree of they do something criminal around them, others just to the degree that they just suffer with them. And so you, if you want to change yourself, you say, well, I'm going to be a better parent. I'm not going to have these expectations of my children. And the next thing you know, uh, you've been trying to do that for three months and you decide, well, I'm not getting, making, I'm still nagging my kids. I better go to therapy. And what DeMello is saying, what you need to do is, first of all, really get in touch with what's going on so that you can come to understand it. Uh, he is not saying, uh, DeMello is not saying that you're supposed to renounce the material world. Uh, you don't want your children, you, you renounce your children wanting something good for your children in the world. He's not saying that at all. He's saying one uses the material world, one enjoys the material world, but one does not make one's happiness depend on the ups and downs of the material world because that puts you on a roller coaster. Your life is on a roller coaster. It's dependent on something outside of you. Your happiness is dependent on something outside of you and what you will discover uh, through uh, probably by the time you've wasted half of your life on believing this is that you'll have a midlife crisis in which you realize that like I've been doing all this seeking of happiness and peace and fulfillment in the outside world and I don't have it and I don't even know what to do about it anymore. The irony is you know that when you are detached from the material world as you pursue whatever you pursue, your success, your family life, you actually enjoy the process more because of detachment than, than you know, when you believe your self-worth, your peace, your happiness depend on some kind of outcome that you ultimately don't completely control. The one thing you always control 100% is your attitude. And even when you find yourself in a situation um, that you can't change in your life, then what the challenge is to change yourself. And the, and, and what DeMello says about that 
is the way you change yourself is through awareness. Awareness releases that beautiful reality within you to change you. It just happens in and of itself without effort. And so if you succeed, great. If you fail, fine. If you make a fool of yourself, your self-worth isn't in question. Your happiness is never in question. Now, who doesn't want to live a life like that? We're going to get back to that interview shortly. I just wanted to briefly mention that this podcast is made possible by Midlife Cues. Now, Midlife Cues is a weekly digital publication for midlifers who are keen on making the most of their midlife. Every Sunday, we explore topics that help us live a joyful midlife. We talk about health and well-being. We talk about midlife mindset, one of the most important foundational things that we really need to master. We examine what growing bolder in our middle years mean for each of us individually. And we explore how we redefine success at work and in life. Give Midlife Cues a try by signing up for your free copy at midlifecues.com. Okie dokie, let's get back to the conversation. So just channeling potentially someone saying, easy for Don to say this because they have, quote unquote, enough, uh, whether that means financially enough, right? And so easy for them to say, uh, to detach herself because they have enough, but I don't have enough. I'm poor. I don't have enough, you know? And so I guess my question is, Don, is this, is this one of those things where if you're still in the striving for financial stability or something that you can't really be feeling happy or enough because you're still in that phase of striving? If you know, the thing is, is that if you are operating under the belief that whatever you're striving for out there in the world is going to bring you happiness, you're making a mistake. You know, it's like that old country and Western song. You're looking for love in all the wrong places. You won't find it there. And so your life will will spin out in the frustration of always seeking, always looking, always trying, always fixing, and never reaching that place that, that you're really reaching for, that place inside your heart where, you, where your heart opens up wide and fully. And you understand that in this moment, when you're, when you're right here, right now, in this present moment, that you re- truly do have everything you need to be happy. It's not dependent on anything outside of you. You know, when scientists look to see what is human nature, what are the elements of human nature? One of the major places they go looking is they look at children. Children are naturally joyful. They're naturally happy. They wake up full of adventure. You know, they run out into the world. If they if they bump into something, um, you know, they have their squawking about it, and then they bounce right back. They forget about it immediately. They're back into happiness. If my grandchildren are here and I wanna I wanna get them, you know stop them from tugging on me. I throw out paper and pencils and pens and crayons and they're they're creative for hours and, and, and they love what they're doing. We've lost that. We got that programmed out of us. A lot of people are out there in the world. They, they have come into contact at some point in their life with the things that they love to do, but they're not doing them. 
they're not in touch with them. They're, they're doing what society told them to do. And it doesn't mean you don't have to go out there and earn a living. You certainly do. But you certainly can make time to be out in nature. You can make time to do the creative things that you love to do to make time for those things. But we're in a rat race. You know, this program and we have in a stressful rat race and we believe the stress is happening to us. It's happening in us. And so what the is says, we got to get deprogrammed. We got to become aware of what it is that we're feeling. Awareness allows you to see and feel what's going on inside of you that sabotages your happiness and your joy and your fulfillment. The negativity, the upsets, the pessimism, the aggressiveness that you get into, the anger, the competitiveness, the shame, the worthlessness, the whole nine yards, right? And, And as you make these unconscious patterns, because that's what they are, they're program patterns, they're an autopilot. Uh, as you make them conscious, they dissolve. That's what psychotherapy really is all about, is getting you to discover what's working you unconsciously and controlling you unconsciously and making it conscious because it, it dissipates its power. You know, what you're aware of, you begin to control. What you're unaware of controls you. So the first thing DeMello is telling us to do is get in touch with those negative feelings. And we don't want to, you know. I mean, who wants to feel fear? But get in touch with it. It's running your life. And it's an illusion. But you won't know that it's illusion until you sit with it in this way. So let yourself feel the fear you're in or the depression you're in or the the upset that you're brewing, the hurt that you're feeling. Don't push it away. Don't repress it. And um, as you do, you'll get in touch with the thoughts that you're thinking that are generating your emotional state and begin to look at those thoughts like they're beliefs that I've swallowed, that I believe, that I've never even questioned. You know, that's one thing society tells you to do. Don't question them. And then when you when this way that we've been programmed to society fails us, society says, well, you're to blame. You must have done something wrong. Right. And so we're cornered. So watch how that works, how we are constantly pointing the finger at ourselves and condemning ourselves. Let that all come up. And then the second step is to acknowledge that this negativity, this upset, this turmoil that I get, I plunge into now and then, it's in me. It's not in reality. Reality is neutral. You know, if, if I planned a picnic and there we are, we're unloading the car and it starts to rain cats and dogs and I get upset, um, is the rain to blame? You know, the rain's just being the rain. The upset's in me. And so that's a very self-evident thing, but people don't often get it. So that as you get, as you let the emotional turmoil come up, step back from it, look at it as if you were seeing your best friend in it, at the same time, allow yourself to feel it all the way, and then acknowledge to yourself, this feeling is in me, not in reality. This is my programming, acting out as me, but it's not me, and it's not in reality. And, and, when, and begin to see the truth of that. I mean, it, it's a very simple common sense kind of truth when you finally see it, you go, oh yeah, that's true. And what, what will happen is that you notice as you begin to allow this to come into conscious awareness, it quiets down and suddenly it passes, you know, to truth of the world.
that we live in. Everything passes, including our lives eventually, and especially uh, emotions. Emotions come and go. So it passes, and when it passes, you are now have available to you a new reality. And all you have to do is is to be quiet, is to get silent. And what you will notice is that a feeling of peace begins to arise. You're at peace with yourself. It's a soft kind of feeling. You'll feel a fluttering in your heart. That's a reemergence of your happiness. And you do this every day. You make this your way of being in the world with your circumstances every day to bring into awareness your reactions. Within two weeks, you're going to be in a completely different place with yourself. Okay, Don. So, I'm going to give you this. I'm having this conversation with a girlfriend of mine who has just become an empty nester. So her kids are off to college now and it's just her and her husband. And she's sad. Well, first of all, obviously she misses her kids, right? Because all of a sudden empty nester. But also she has this thing that her her kids don't uh appreciate her anymore like they don't call mom anymore they've forgotten about her and so she is very sad about that as i listen to you i'm remembering our conversation my conversation with my girlfriend and i can see where there are certain expectations that she may have had from her kids to how the kids should behave once they're out of the house and now that the kids are not meeting those expectations those are making her upset but then how when you say just be aware of the feelings, but then she's sad. So how, how I, I, I don't know how to go from like, okay, I'm sad because my kids aren't calling me to not being sad about that anymore. Well, the, the goal isn't exactly that. The goal isn't to fix it. The, the goal is get in touch with it. Fixing it won't fix it. Getting in touch with it, understanding it. Coming into understanding, you know, she's fallen into that false belief that, you know, unless my children appreciate me or unless my my children are there around me appreciating me, I can't be happy. So she's made her children responsible for her happiness. And that's hopeless. That's pretty hopeless. And so and, and if she were to see it at first, she would she would. Say, oh, what a terrible person. You know, she would judge herself for it. That's what she said. She must have not been a good mom. She must have not if they don't love me, I must have I must have done something wrong. And then uh, when she complains to the kids, it makes them stay away even longer and the situation gets exacerbates and, the, and and it's hopeless, right? And so the prescription that Demella would give her is get in touch with it. Get in touch with what you're feeling, first of all, the disappointment you're feeling with your life, with your children. Get in touch with how much you've invested your entire happiness on what your children do and don't do. And your belief that now that they're gone, uh, you're doomed to, a, to an unhappy, disappointed life. Get in touch with the feelings. What does that feel like? Get in touch with the grief that you're going through. And also get in touch with the thoughts that are generating that. I noticed myself doing that recently. I was putting together Christmas presents for for my grandchildren. I have seven. Most of them didn't thank me last year for the grant for the presents I gave them, and so I'm I'm grumbling. Well, why am I giving them presents this year? You know. <laughs> and so I stopped and I and I 
I looked at that, you know, and it said, is my giving uh, have a requirement that they respond in a way that I prescribe? And, uh, and the answer was, yes, it is. My goodness. <laughs> and what does that do to your sense of happiness and peace? Well, it, 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 it makes, a, makes a mess of it, you know. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's it like, it's like am I right? giving? Am I giving them something so that they can respond and I can enjoy the response, or am yes. I giving because I love to give them this? Whatever. Yeah, that's right. And the, and is my happiness really dependent on whether they send me a thank you note or not? <laughs> and you know, so now what happens when I have a negative emotion, a negative reaction? When I find myself. Uh, making somebody else or some situation responsible for how I'm going to feel, you know, this moment right here, right now. When I find myself doing that, and it'll show up in the way of, oh, I don't know, jealousy, uh, judgment, anger, whatever, you know. I, I used to try to push them away. You know, I, I shouldn't feel that way. Try to turn them into a, a positive affirmation, which didn't work very well because I, I really hadn't worked through it. I didn't even understand what I was doing when I was doing that. Now what they have become for me at, through awareness is they're tapping me on the shoulder and they're saying, you know, you should take a look at this. You should get to the bottom of this just to see what happens. And when I do, when I get in touch with the feeling, allow myself to feel it, take responsibility for it. This is in me. I was programmed this way. This is not in reality. My grandchildren are, are not unloving beings just because I didn't get a note from them. What, what are the thoughts that I'm thinking that are leading to this? And then suddenly, as I begin to quiet down, I get a kind of out of the blue sideways insight into what's happening. One time I was walking down the hallway at the office and it had been a great month. You know, business had been great. My books were selling really good. I was happy at home. Everything was uh, swimming, as they say, as my grandmother used to say, going swimmingly. But suddenly I had this feeling of dread overcome me. It stopped me in my tracks because I, my awareness practice does that for me. Now I went and sat down. And I just went into it. I allowed myself to feel it. I, I looked at the thoughts that I'm thinking. And the thoughts that I was thinking is that no matter what good is going on in my life, it'll turn bad. And then I had a flash into my childhood where every time I had a very uh, abusive stepfather. And every time I would come home, even during a happy day, you know, at school, he would shut it down. You know, he would attack me in some way. And so I had this insight of that's where this is coming from. And then I realized that feeling of dread it fell over me like a, like a fog. I had been feeling that my entire life up until that point, And I hadn't, I wasn't ever really aware of it. So now when that comes up, you know, whatever gets stuck in your emotional memory, it replays. But now when it comes up, I shift out of it quickly because I understand it. And it's no longer running in autopilot in an unconscious sort of way. And I also acknowledge, you know, I came to acknowledge reality is reality. What what goes up in this world eventually comes down. You know, that Frank Sinatra song, you're riding high in April, you're shot down in May, but you get back up in June. And that's that's life. That's just it's just the way it is. If your happiness, your peace of mind, your your sense of worth is dependent on 
keeping everything in an upswing, you're you're going to crash a lot, and you're going to you're going to crash personally, and you are never going to come into that place of fulfillment in which you you are full of what it is that you are. You are full with your true, loving, peaceful, and happy nature. It's always going to be out of reach. You know, I coach millionaires who have everything in the world, and they come to me and they say, happiness is missing in my life. You know, I'm on my third divorce. My kids hate me. Um, I haven't been at peace with myself in so long. I've been so hard working that I don't even think it exists. And through awareness, they break through and they begin to understand that what they're doing out in the world, they're doing incredible things, you know, that that help society in a lot of ways, uh, keep a lot of people employed. But that's not the key to their happiness. That's just what they're doing. That's the fun they're having out there in the world. But the true happiness that's unconditional, that that doesn't come from the world. That comes from you. It's like that old saying is that you, you don't have to seek for love. Love is what you already are. You just have to seek for the blocks that you've placed to the presence of love in your life. And that's what awareness does for you. Oh, my goodness. I have so many takeaways from, from what you just said, Don. I'm, I have so many, but I will tell you one right off the bat because it stuck with me immediately when you were saying how when you feel something, you sit with it. Because I that's one lesson that I will immediately try to work on because whenever I feel something negative, I don't sit with it. I try to push it away like so for example if I'm feeling envious of someone I go I shouldn't be envious and I deny that I'm being envious instead of analyzing why is where is this coming from why is this I just say this is not a good feeling I don't want to be envious and I try to shift it away push it away so I never really get to like what is it and so I so it comes up again and I go the same thing nope I don't want to feel this way and I push it away. <laughs> yes. But like your example about where is this coming? Like when you were walking uh, along the hallway in your office and all of a sudden you felt like, where is this dread coming from? And you allowed yes. yourself to just sit with it for a while so that you understood it better. I will really take that to heart. And maybe it's not so bad to feel the negative feelings for enough, enough, just enough time. to. Understand. Oh, it's a, it's a delight. I mean, self-discovery is a delight. And once you, you get into it, the other day I was, uh, I had a major project that has gotten held up because somebody for idiosyncratic reasons wants to hold it up, you know, wants to show their power. And it really frustrated me and it really brought up the upset I feel from my childhood of always being controlled by my stepfather, you know. And then I was sitting in a dental chair uh, uh, about two hours after getting this bad news. And then I got bad news from the dentist that, that I have to have some uh, root canal. And I could, I started to feel the whole upset. I could start to feel the whole old pattern that used to beat me down in my life. I started feeling bad about my life isn't working. And then I began to feel responsible. I must have done something to my tooth. I must have done something wrong with this project. And I just sat with it and I felt it and I allowed it to be there. And I reminded myself, this is not in reality. 
these thoughts I'm having, these feelings are producing is not in reality. They're in me and that programming. And I had this miraculous moment of grace in which my whole being rose above it. My mind became completely quiet and I could actually see the turmoil down below that I that I used to indulge all the time and feel a victim of. It was actually, I was a victim of the world that was making me feel this way that was also victimizing me, right? I could see the whole game, the whole programming thing, and yet I was up here and I was free. I was in the, this wonderful clear air of freedom, and that happens to me more and more. And so, you know, what I would say to everybody listening is, you know, get started with this awareness practice. You can find it in this book. It's right at the core of this book. Get started. And if you get started, you'll, you'll quickly see results. And in as few as two weeks, the quality of your experience will change. And, you know, the upsets will still come depending on the depth of your programming. But I, I can assure you this. I haven't known a single person that I've worked with who gave time to being aware in the way that we're talking about here who didn't quickly see a difference. And they'll, and they the thing that amazes people is that this difference came with, with virtually no effort on my part. Awareness isn't really an effort. It's just being present is what it is. Just being present with what is, is where this change come from, came from. I didn't have to beat the door down for change. I have just started reading the book. So by the time this episode airs, I will have finished the book. But I'm very interested in it. And I know that it's hitting uh, a speci- It's hitting me because I'm having this dual uh, reaction to the book. That's why I know that it's, it's, it's tearing something thing. up. That's a good thing. And, you know, um, the important thing in reading this book is it's going to challenge your belief system. Your belief system really isn't your own. It's been superimposed upon you. And he, he's going to be challenging it because we've all swallowed this programming all the way to the point that we don't even question it. So here comes this guy and he's questioning it and it's you're bumping into it. And all that DeMello really asks you to be is be open. Just be open. Take it in. And you certainly challenge it. I love the way you challenged it when you sent me your email. I said, that's exactly what DeMello is talking about. Challenge it. Ask the questions. But then be open as you challenge it to, well, what if I did take on this this perspective? What if I did take on this new way of looking at it? Why don't I try it? What Tony DeMello is, is he's laying out a hypothesis like a scientist does when he's doing a lab experiment. So his hypothesis is, is that you're already happy and you don't know it. You're already at peace and you don't know it. It's been programmed out of you. Awareness will give it back to you without any effort on your part to change yourself. That's the hypothesis, right? And you are then become the laboratory and you test it. And the way you test it is you work with his awareness process and you read his book and you reflect on it. And then you see if this hypothesis tests out in your life. And if it does, keep going forward with it. Uh, if it doesn't, well, then all right. Right, right. Well, I'm taking that on. 
this has been fantastic. Really, I love this conversation. I'm going to put a link to the book, amongst other things, on the show notes. But if you don't mind, I just have a couple of questions. I want to turn the table a little bit on you and ask you a couple of questions that is more personal in nature. So uh, the the mantra of, of Second Breaks is celebrate midlife. And I was wondering, you know, when I throw that phrase to you, when I, if I offer that phrase to you, what comes to mind? Celebrate midlife. I love the the word celebrate that you that you use with that. Is that life is holy? It's meant to be celebrated, and we really are programmed out of that. You know, one of the wonderful quotes I love from Pablo Picasso is he said, "It took me ten years to learn to paint just like." Raphael, the famous uh, Renaissance painter, the great painter, he said, it took me 10 years to paint like Raphael. It took me an entire lifetime to paint like a child again. And that's what uh, that statement of yours bring, brings to mind for me, is that, you know, Carl Rogers, I worked, he's a famous American psychologist, and I, I had the privilege of working with him. And once they, and when he was in his 80s, they asked him to write an article on, on growing uh, old. And he said he entitled the the, the uh, paper he wrote is "Older and Growing," not growing old, but older and growing. And I think that that's what you mean by your um, by your mantra. Well, when I was 20, I was beautiful, and I didn't know it, and I didn't believe it, and and I suffered from it. Um, now. I'm still beautiful. The same beauty is in me that's in everyone. And I know it. And I don't only see it in myself, but through seeing it in myself, I see it in everyone. Oh, my goodness. That makes me cry. I love that, Don. <laughs> Thank you so much. This is such a gift of a conversation. That makes me want to cry. I'm not even kidding. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Lou. I want to thank Don Joseph Goey for sharing all this brilliant insight and I highly, highly recommend the book, Stop Fixing Yourself. I'm going to put a link to the book in the show notes, as well as links to his website and other resources that we talked about. You can find the show notes at secondbreaks.com. And thank you, my dear listener friend, for joining me today. If you like this episode, please do me a solid and share it with a friend or two. Word of mouth is still the best way to grow. And uh, by mentioning this episode and this podcast to your friends, you're going to be helping me tremendously in reaching other midlifers who can benefit from our topics. I'll be back with a new episode in a couple of weeks. Until then, have a joyful and easeful week ahead. Cool beans!